The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We will talk about why the NBA needs to learn to live without LeBron. We'll also look back at the Bucks win against the Chicago Bulls. Talk a little bit about that. See where we are from a seeding perspective. We will then move on to the Brewers and give the hottest takes of this season as we get closer and closer to opening day. And lastly, we will have the Wisconsin Shotsky talking about three topics that are kind of buzzing, but not necessarily maybe full topics. So doing a little shot of each and chatting about that, and we will ride out for the day. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. And then also rate, review, uh, subscribe if you already, if you're not subscribed, if you've just joined us, we which welcome you with open arms. Maybe you hopped on when you were playing Tapping the Keg Madness. Congrats to all that one. Um, good. It was a fun, fun week or weeks, I guess. And congrats to Shannon. We're gonna have him on the Tapping the Keg program, I think, next Wednesday, or we'll figure out a day. I shouldn't say the day. Uh, Mitch and I will be back um, for Thursday. Uh, as we've been doing that for the last couple of weeks now, just based on the Bucks schedule. So Mitch and I on Thursday look forward to that. All right, let's talk about the Bucks. Let's talk about LeBron and the NBA. The NBA will not have LeBron James in the playoffs for the second year of the last four. So this is now 50% of the last four playoffs are without LeBron. LeBron is not involved. He will not be a part of it at all. They thought that they were going to get LeBron at least in the playing game. At least they would have the hype of a one-game playoff between LeBron and whether it be the New Orleans Pelicans, whether it be the Los Angeles Clippers, whether it be the Minnesota Timberwolves at one point when the Lakers were maybe hovering around the eighth seed. They would get that, and that would be a big deal. And ESPN would blow it out, and I actually think TNT has the Western Conference this year. But regardless, the ratings would be huge. It would be a big rating bump. It would be a great way for them to start the NBA playoffs. They get absolutely none of it. Instead, TNT is going to get the New Orleans Pelicans versus the San Antonio Spurs, which have which have the ratings potential of a cooking show mixed with a home show. I don't know. Just it, it, there's no one that's excited about Pelicans Spurs. Like just Pelicans and Spurs fans are excited. No one's going out of the way way to watch the fucking Pelicans and the Spurs. Let's just let's just put it that way. All right, they are not. The ratings are going to plummet. That's going to be a terrible ratings thing. But that's going to be the life that we live without LeBron very soon. LeBron wants to play until Bronny can play in the NBA, but it's probably unrealistic to expect LeBron James to play that long. The NBA needs to figure out an action plan to have a league without their star player. They need to anoint another star. Now, for Bucks fans, you're obviously going to say that's Giannis Antetokounmpo and pump up Giannis Antetokounmpo. But when I was listening to Bomani Jones on The Breakfast Club, it was clear that Giannis was an afterthought. Milwaukee wasn't mentioned. Milwaukee wasn't mentioned as a team to promote and how we don't hear about the Phoenix Suns. And it's like, why don't we hear about the Phoenix Suns? Why don't we hear about the Milwaukee Bucks? Well, it's partly due to the fact that the markets don't care, that they have not permeated in terms of the national landscape, and they need to, and they need to do it immediately. LeBron's still running ads for Ruffles, which, good for Ruffles, Frito-Lay, get that money, 
but you need to start gearing it towards the next generation. You need to start pulling those ad dollars to guys like Giannis Antetokounmpo, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic. What what ad national ad does Luka have right now? I don't think Luka has one national ad. If I I'm sure he does, but like I don't I don't know it. Joel Embiid was very prominent in the NCAA tournament with the Coke Zero. That's a good thing. You want to kind of keep promoting stars. So it's not just us who watch basketball every day or watch it, you know, infrequently or even infrequently. Like my dad is a good example of that, right? My dad's like 66, 67. My dad knows all these guys, but like my mom, my mom doesn't know that. Now, if even if we scale it down to like my father-in-law, my mother-in-law who are 10 years younger, I don't know if they know everybody and they know all the pieces that fit. And so, but they they know LeBron, they know Steph Curry, right? And so how does the league sort of move on from LeBron? That to me is that to me is the key question now for the next decade. And the NBA needs to work tirelessly at it. They cannot use LeBron as a crutch. They cannot use LeBron as we are only talking about the NBA if LeBron is involved. Does he move the needle unlike anybody maybe in sports besides Tiger Woods? I would say Yes, I'd say absolutely. Like, uh, there is nobody that moves the needle more than LeBron James. I would say it, in in some order, it's LeBron, it's Tiger Woods, it's Aaron Rodgers. All right, like maybe Tom Brady too. I think Tom Brady would be put in. That would be your Mount Rushmore of guys who move the needle, guys who could literally take a shit and they'd report it. Right? Uh, they need to kind of find who is that next guy for the NBA. And Steph Curry, I don't know if it's Steph Curry. I think it is in a sense. Like Steph Curry is extremely popular in terms of like media attention. I think he now has a show with his wife. Like Steph Curry is definitely the prototypical all-American basketball player. I think there is a something to really like about Steph Curry. He's a very likable guy. He has a high Q rating. I don't think anybody really hates Steph Curry. Some people say Steph Curry ruined basketball with the way he shoots threes, and those people can go sit on their fucking dinosaur. But there's not a lot of those people, right? That's few and far between, okay? It, Steph Curry, to me, is the guy that you would promote. But again, he's had trouble staying healthy. So what do you do? And I also think that there is an issue with the fact that there's no college real support for guys like Luca and Giannis. Like there is none of that, right? We don't have a college for Luca or Giannis. And I, I feel like that kind of matters. Even though LeBron didn't go to school, he had those Ohio ties. He basically was an honorary member of Ohio State. Like I feel like that mattered. And I feel like he was part of that city in that state or city Cleveland and that state Ohio so much that it, it was like an additive, right? It made it more, it made it feel more real. And so I don't know if it means like making sure that Giannis is at Packer playoff games or making sure that Giannis is checking out the Brewers more often, which he's now a minority owner of. Like, how do you make Giannis more omnipresent so that it's not just Giannis the basketball player? And I, I mean, the same goes for Embiid. The same goes for Luka, right? How do you make these guys more than basketball players? Because that's what the NBA needs to do. And they need to make sure that the conversations go where Giannis, Luka, Embiid get, and I guess you could throw Jokic in, but again, another guy that isn't really that exciting and that nobody really cares about. No one's going out of their way to go watch Nikola Jokic. Is he impressive? Absolutely. He is extremely impressive. But the non-hoops heads 
are not really caring about Nikola Jokic. So the NBA has to avoid kind of becoming baseball and becoming just a bunch of guys. Right now, baseball is very talented. Baseball, to me, is five years away from being, I think, really on the up and up in terms of their young stars. There is so much potential right now in baseball. Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt Jr. getting called up from Seattle and Kansas City, respectively, to start the year is phenomenal for baseball. That is a major step forward for baseball. If O'Neill Cruz, we won't because the Pirates are cheap, get, get called up early. Again, that is a step for baseball. There are so many talented young players right now in the game of baseball that baseball is going to have a sort of renaissance, I feel like, in five or six years. Basketball is already there with their young guys. We didn't even mention John ja Morant. Like I mean, there are other guys we haven't mentioned. I'm sure you guys are going crazy. Like what about Ja? What about Devin Booker? What about Carl Anthony Towns? Anthony Edwards? What about? Um, I'm trying to think of other guys that I could throw. Jason Tatum's another one, right? Boston Celtics. Like why haven't you thrown those guys? Like look, man, it's it's all across the board. Like there is a ton of young talent right now in the NBA, and the NBA cannot keep sucking on LeBron's teeth. Like they cannot keep going back to that well. Like once you do the whole Lakers are a disappointment, everything like that, the rest of the week, Frank Vogel, who's going to be the next Lakers coach, you fucking bury it. LeBron should not be talked about for the next two months. Yeah, sure, there could be moments of it, but the focus really should be on the different guys. And I think ESPN and Fox, more so ESPN, I think Fox actually does a better job of this. ESPN is going to struggle because ESPN, all they know is LeBron. All they know is hot takes. And they have to find new things. They just have to. And this could be a really good playoffs for that. This playoffs should be phenomenal. All right? Like the East is absolutely loaded. You could make a case that all six teams could come out of the Eastern Conference. Nah, actually, that's not true. Chicago, nah, and that wasn't even a diss at Chicago, but like, Chicago can't come out. Maybe Toronto. So I'd say four out of six for sure. And then if you wanted to throw Brooklyn in there, you wanted to throw Toronto in there, maybe you could say six teams to win the finals. Chicago would be on the outskirts with, with Cleveland as well. So I think you have four legit title contenders with two that are kind of hanging in the in the background. And then in the West, you have at least one in the Suns. You maybe have a couple more. I think you'd throw, you have to at least give a think about Golden State. You have to at least thought think about Memphis and basically that Orlando Magic 95 parallel that I talked about with Mitch last week. And then I think you have to put Dallas in there with how Luka's playing. Like you can't ignore the way Luka's playing. And I don't know if they have enough depth to, to carry them there. But I do think that Dallas has to at least be considered and at least put in that conversation. So that so right now you have ten teams. That would be that would make it ten teams, ten teams of the potential twenty that are there that could win a championship. That's fucking exciting. There's going to be great basketball every night. We are not going to have a lot of dud NBA playoff nights, and that's the type of shit that needs to be communicated. That needs to be promoted. That the NBA just needs to do a better job of ridding themselves of LeBron. Because they're going to have to sooner rather than later. And while LeBron drives the needle, it's time to find other needle drivers. 
Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks took care of business yet again against the Chicago Bulls. It was kind of a weird Giannis night. Giannis kind of hung out in the background. He had 19 points, 8 assist, or eight rebounds. But it was really about Brooke Lopez who had 28 points and looked fantastic. Uh, Brooke Lopez was an absolute force down low. We've seen the Bucks exploit the lack of size that Brooklyn has. Vucevic was absolutely a non-factor. He was terrible. I think he was one like three or four for 19. Uh, the Bucks continue their dominance against the Bulls, and the Bulls continue to look like a team that is just smoke and mirrors. Like that's, I guess that's the best way you can put it. Like you hate to be mean to the Bulls. I actually don't hate to be mean. I was mean to them in the. Let's redo that. You hate to sort of keep hating on the Bulls and keep pounding this sort of fact of how the Bulls stink, but facts are facts. The Bulls are a team that I think anybody can win four games pretty easily against, or it's either it's either 4-0 or it's 4-1. I don't think it's going to be close. The Bulls just look like a team that I think if they didn't start hot, they would be in the playing game. And facts are facts. The Bulls were able to get out to a hot start, and they've been leaking oil ever since. It was a good win, though, for Milwaukee in terms of just taking care of business. You know, they're trying to fight for that two seed or that three seed. I am on record that I don't think the Bucks care where they end up, but I do think the Bucks want to keep playing hard and keep make sure, make sure that they finish strong. I mean, they are going to get 50 wins likely on their 49 uh, at this point, 49 and 30. Um, Giannis lost his 30-point streak, but I, I again, I don't think Giannis exactly cared about it. I think he wanted to get more more guys involved, and yeah, it was an efficient night for Lopez. Uh, Middleton had a decent first half. He fell off in the second half, which the Middleton haters would tell you that's pretty unplanned for Chris Middleton. One good half, one, one bad half. I think we saw the first real good Bobby game off the bench. Now, he played a lot of minutes. He played 25 minutes it was kind of spread out in terms of the minutes distribution for bud which i don't think was on accident i think bud was trying to you know make sure that everybody was conserving their minutes as we get closer and closer to the playoffs but 13 points for bobby and not and nine rebounds and again a factor the buck size was just way too big for what the chicago bulls are doing what i found interesting after the game was ti winch or wench i might mispronounce his name sorry ti I think it's T.I. I hope it's not T.J. Let me see here. I pulled up a tweet from him uh, about Javon Carter, which I was very interested in. He said this. Yeah, it is T.I. Uh, Bucks broadcast reporting that Mike Budenholzer had a lengthy conversation with Javon Carter ahead of the Philly game, his first DMP, to set time expect playing time expectations. No question that Carter is staying ready when he's gotten into in since he's looked good. I, I kind of love this because I kind of wonder if the Bucks are playing a little bit of possum. So if you think about this, the Bucks have really not played Serge Ibaka. They've really not played Javon Carter. Now, Serge Ibaka, minutes are hard to come by with guys like Brooke and Bobby playing really well. And then obviously you have that Antetokounmpo foul. But Ibaka has not been playing and Carter also has not been playing. He did play a little bit in the in the final minutes of the Bucks game because it was a blowout. But you're not seeing a ton from either of them. And I do wonder if they're saving them for the playoffs. I think Ibaka, they're just putting on ice until the playoffs because is an old guy. Ibaka had back surgery. I think that they're keeping Ibaka sort of ready to go as the playoffs begin. I don't think that is a... 
a coincidence. I think there will be some national media heads who are like, well, they're not even playing Ibaka. It's like, no, I think there is a plan here. Like, I, I, I really do think that there is a plan. George Hill had five points in this one in 17 minutes. I think Bud knows what George Hill is, and I think he knows that George Hill needed reps. And again, if you don't, you know, bring out Carter, who could be a secret weapon, I think there is a there's a real potential with that. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm I'm naive. I think Ibaka, I would definitely buy stock. I would definitely buy stock in that idea that they're kind of trying to hide him. And then for for the Javon Carter side, I don't know. I, I, that one to me is a lot tougher to handicap just because of George Hill. And I don't know where Bud is with George Hill and if he likes George Hill's presence. But at some point, George Hill is going to become a liability for the Bucks. And if it's round one, that's great because I would I'd rather lose a game in game one against the Bulls or the Raptors or the Nets or the Clay, whatever. It doesn't matter who they're playing. I would rather lose one game because of George Hill and then everybody realizes how much George Hill is a liability and then it's just Javon Carter the rest of the way. That to me would be best case scenario. What I don't want is to be in the Eastern Conference Finals against Boston or Miami and George Hill costs us a game and then we're like, fuck. If that to me is where this, this as the stakes get bigger, the more nervous I get about George Hill. I'll put it that way. And so that's kind of where I'm at with George Hill and the, and the Bucks in general. As for seeding, uh, shout out to Chris Forsberg. I think he's a writer for one of the Boston uh, outlets. He I didn't know that Passwell Reference had this probability thing for first round seeds, which is great. Um, and I'm going to probably refresh this every day. Um, right now, it looks like the Miami Heat are going to be locked in to that one seed, 98% chance that the Heat are a one seed. A lot would have to happen. The Bucks and Celtics are basically going to decide that, that two seed with their game on Thursday night. So that, to me, is going to be awesome. I think Bucks celtics is going to be a lot of fun. Mitch and I will probably talk at length about that tonight on, today, on the Tapping the Keg tomorrow. Kind of get you guys ready for that. And what consequences of winning it and consequences of losing it. Because if the Bucks lose that game, I think that makes the Detroit back-to-back a lot more important. And then it's like, well, the Bucks are going to kind of not have to rest guys. Like They're going to have to play this out. Because I don't think the Bucks want to play Toronto. And it's not that they are afraid of Toronto. I've been on the, the hill, the island, saying the Bucks aren't afraid of anybody. They'll play whoever, whenever. I think it's more the fact that Toronto will beat the fuck out of us. Like, it, that makes it a lot more physical. Like, if the Bucks are a four seed, all right? Like, let's just, let's just play this out. If the Bucks are a four seed and they play Toronto and Toronto's the five, they go Toronto, potentially, Toronto, Miami, and then either Boston or Philadelphia. That will likely be the path. That is really rough getting to the conference finals. Those are two teams that just beat the shit out of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And they don't get called for it. And now I don't think the league is going to suddenly change their approach when refing Miami or Toronto. Okay? So I, I am extremely concerned about having to play Toronto and Miami and just worried if the Bucs will run out of gas. If that, by the Eastern Conference Finals, the Bucs are like, we're fucking spent. Like, we played a six-game series against Toronto. We played a seven-game series against Miami. And now we have to play Boston, who's just as physical. Like, Boston, even though Boston doesn't have the size, they'll have time on back. Like, they've shown themselves as a physical, mean, defensive team. I, that doesn't get any easier, having to face Boston. 
So I do not like that path for the Bucks. That's more my concern. So that's why I would like to stay out of the four seed as much as you can. You have the tiebreaker against Philadelphia. You have four, three games left. And if you were to lose to Boston on Thursday night, you at least have two opportunities to kind of get it back and get back to the three seed. It, it is right now really tough for the Bucks. It is basically 50-50 if they're going to get the three or the four. Right now, the probability has Boston actually at the two uh, and more at the two than the three. So it's going to be a fun night on two, on Thursday. I think you're going to have a really rabid crowd. Hopefully, everybody's dialed in. Maybe some people took off for opening day, can have a few beers heading into this one. Uh, first chance for a Milwaukee parlay if you're into that sort of thing uh, with the Brewers and Bucks going on Thursday Thursday afternoon and evening. So we'll see what happens there. Like I said, more to come about the Bucks with Mitch and I tonight for tomorrow's Tabbing the Keg. All right, I realized that I kind of screwed up my segments because we're already 20 in, uh, but let's do a little bit on the Brewers and then we'll get to Wisconsin uh, Shotsky as we do every Wednesday. In terms of hot takes for the Milwaukee Brewers and what sort of hot takes that we have for the season to start, things that, just predictions that I'll just throw out there that I think might happen, might not happen um, for the team this season. I think that Tyrone Taylor will be a starter by June 1st. I, I love I love Lorenzo Cain. I think Lorenzo Cain is a clubhouse guy. I think he does wonders for them. But I think Tyrone Taylor will be a constant in the starting rotation in at June 1. I think the Brewers might make a splash. I, I, well, if it's going to be a take, you gotta, I can't say might. Because I, I, all right, I want them to trade really badly for Jose Ramirez. Like, I, I do. The fact that San Diego could get Jose Ramirez just makes me really upset because I think Jose Ramirez is a complete stud. I think it's exactly what the Brewers are missing. Guy can play both hands. He's switch hitter, pretty decent third baseman, like hitting hitting on the left side of the, the, the pitch with the short porch and right field. Like, oh my God, like Jose Ramirez will hit bombs in Miller Park, but I'm not... I'm not ready to pull out that they're going to trade for Jose Ramirez because the Padres might do it before this podcast even comes out. I think Brandon Woodruff's going to have a better year than Corbin Burns. I don't think Corbin Burns is going to have a bad year, but I think Brandon Woodruff's going to have a better year. I think Brandon Woodruff, you know, more establishes himself as the guy you go to in game one of the playoffs when that, that does come. And I think Brandon Woodruff becomes that guy for the Brewers this year. And I think Corbin Burns has a good year, but I think he will not be able to emulate the Cy Young year of last season. I think Freddie Peralta will be an all-star this year. I think Freddie's going to have a breakout. This, to me, feels like the year for it. I think you'll have Freddie in the Cy Young conversation, um, and it will be legitimate. And I think that he was kind in it last year, but he didn't have the innings. I think the innings come this year. And so I think Freddie will be a real factor for the Milwaukee Brewers. Eric Lauer will stay in the rotation. So I don't think, I, I think Aaron Ashby has a chance to break the rotation, but I think if he's going to break it, I think it's going to be with Adrian Hauser's spot and not Eric Lauer. I'm kind of high on Eric Lauer. Like I I would say I have stock on Eric, Eric Lauer. I think Eric Lauer will have a really good year. And I think he kind of, again, will continue to develop into something. Willie Adamas will put himself into the MVP race. I think that is something that will happen. I think Willie is going to be a prominent figure in terms of the NLP, NL MVP race as the Brewers should have a good year. 
Um, and I don't think it's a hot take to be like, I think Christian Yelich and, and Keston Hero are going to bounce back uh, because I feel like every year we predict that and we hope that. So I, I go with Willie as an MVP candidate. I'll also put Honey Redfro hits 40 home runs. Um, I think he's going to have a massive year uh, playing in Miller Park. I think Hunter is going to become a fan favorite with the way that he he throws, he just guns guys down. I don't know if you guys saw, I think it was Tuesday. I, I put it on my Twitter uh, that he gunned down a guy to end a game uh, in Colorado. Like Hunter Redfro is probably one of the better defensive throwing right fielders that the Brewers have had in God knows when. Like I love, ja- I love Jackie Bradley Jr. What he brought, and I thought he would he have a good year. He was terrible. I love the idea of Jackie Bradley Jr. I should say I love Jackie Bradley. I love the idea of Jackie Bradley Jr. But I kind of love the idea of Hunter Renfro more. I think Renfro has a massive year for the Brewers. I would not would not surprise me if he's an All Star. I will say that. I think the Brewers are going to have a lot of All Stars just based on them being good. And then my last hottest take is the Brewers will have the best record in baseball. Yes. Not just the NL, not just NL Central. They're the best record in baseball. I think the Brewers are going to be really good. I think 103 wins is probably my prediction. And the Dodgers will finish with like 98. I think maybe that's a little slight. Remember, the Dodgers and Giants had like 109 wins last year. It was fucking crazy. Uh, but who knows? Maybe that's a little too light, but we'll see. It's good. I, th- I just think that the Giants, Padres, and Dodgers are going to beat up on each other. And I, I really do I think the Rockies, well, maybe not at the level of those three teams. I think the Rockies, if all things go right, they could be, they're kind of a sleeper. Like they're kind of lurking. They have Chris Bryant, they have Randall Gerchuk. Their pitching staff's okay with Marquez and uh, Senzella. They have bullpen Colome and Daniel Bard. Like they, they got guys. It's just a question of do they have enough guys, right? So that could be a team where it starts hot, everybody's talking about the Rockies, and then maybe in September they're fighting for a playoff spot. We'll see. But yeah, that that's kind of my hot takes for the Brewers this season. We'll, let, we'll love to hear yours. Mitch and I will probably open with Brewers um, tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Um, of course, we'll talk about the Bucks and whatever else. All right, Scott Sachotsky, this has been kind of a running Wednesday segment, um, if you're not paying attention, but kind of three topics that are maybe not as important, maybe don't have the sort of breath to be seven to eight minutes or six minutes, and just spend a little time on each to talk about them, and yeah. So what we have today for the Shotsky, I wanted to go on a rant about pre-draft visits. So there have been a lot of reports of like this guy visited the Packers and that guy visited the Packers and the Packers are having this dude in. Who gives a flying fuck? Okay? I don't mean to be an asshole, but like we don't need everything for content. Like who cares that this guy is visiting the Packers? The Packers are going to talk to a lot of people. That's part of the process. Because COVID is not a thing, of course they can have guys back and they want to get guys in the room. And they want to talk to dudes. They want to see like, all right, is this guy a potential option for it? Just because George Pickens is visiting the Packers doesn't mean George Pickens is going to be drafted by the Packers. We have no idea. Of course, George Pickens is a guy that the Packers might like because the Packers have a type. Packers have guys that they like and guys that they don't. They usually don't deviate off of that. So this idea that like, because a guy went to visit Lambeau means that he's not going to be a Packer. No, who gives a fuck? It's not worth getting excited about. It really isn't. Like, I, I just, I can't do it. Like, I saw, like, people pointing out about Thornton, Ty, Tyquee, I think is his name, Thornton, from uh, 
But Baylor, everyone's like, oh, yeah, this guy is this, this guy's that. It's like, look, I want to be excited about this guy, but I have no idea if they're going to draft him. So why, why waste the energy? I just think too much with the NFL. It's like we're obsessed with trying to keep nailing this down. And we're at that period of the draft where everybody has their mocks, everybody has their convictions, and it's like, okay, what do we have left? All right, this guy came in for a visit. That guy came in for a visit. Instead of let's try to figure out different things to talk about or like I love doing the wow, if this guy went to Minnesota or this guy went to Chicago, I'd be like, oh, that's not good. Or a rival, you know, team, whether it be the Chargers or no Chargers, the Rams, the I don't know why the Chargers are the first thing, but the Chargers are a rival. Uh, the Rams, the uh, San Francisco 49ers, something like that. Like they went there, like, yeah, maybe that's that's a problem. But yeah, I, I hate the pre-draft visit like hype. Like, shut up. Like it doesn't matter. We have uh, some spring practice news from the Badgers. Uh, per Jeff Patrikas, uh, Travion Blayock had a significant knee injury in practice. Blayock is going to be a or Blaylock, excuse me, not Blaylock. Not been awful with pronunciations here. Uh, if you saw my Ochai Ajabi, uh, I, I I think I butchered it. I got some feedback from the boys, and they were like, "Yeah, you butchered that," and I was like, "Oh." But anyways, uh, Travion Blaylock, uh, Blaylock, there we go, uh, he suffered a pretty significant knee injury, couldn't put weight on it, uh, he was going to probably be a starting safety for the Badgers, uh, looks like Blaylock, Blaylock is going to miss the year, he could not put any weight on it, you don't want to speculate, but that does not sound good, um, and that puts the Badgers at quite a need for safety, I don't necessarily know there's anything in the transfer portal that they could get or they could look at or maybe they will look at some of the cornerbacks that they brought in and maybe see if they can make a safety out of it or sort of adjust sort of how they're running defense hunter waller waller a top recruit is going to take over that safety position and waller i think is going to be a star i think there's going to be a lot of good things that come out of the badgers kind of heading into the season about hunter waller like i would say if you want to buy stock in somebody in that defense i think you buy it into hunter waller a lot of good notes about the front seven looking kind of ready ready and raring to go, which is good to hear because, you know, they, they have lost a few guys. Keanu Benton, though, could be a top pick for the for the Badgers next season. Like, Benton, to me, is a guy that could easily be a first-rounder next season. He is probably the best D-tackle that the Badgers have had in a long time. Like, brings back memories of uh, Wendell Bryant, if you remember him. Uh, there was another guy, white dude, I can't think of his name, uh, was Paul. He got drafted by Arizona. Oh, that's going to bother me. Oh, fuck. I don't know. But anyways, Badgers are going to be pretty pretty decent this next year. Graham Mertz, a lot of pressure on Graham Mertz. We'll talk, obviously, more about that as when we get much closer to the season. But yeah, they, the Badgers, I think, have more pressure on them than I think you expect. Like I, I think this is kind of a put-up-or-shut-up year for the Badgers because I think if, if they kind of falter again and they kind of get another meaningless Las Vegas Bowl, I think you have to start asking some questions about Paul Christ. You have to start asking some questions about the Badgers in general, where where their ceiling is, and if they're just part of that second tier or that third tier. And I, I don't think we want to have that conversation, but I think you have to have that conversation if the Badgers get there. But again, we're a long way away from that take. Like we we have a lot a lot of shit could happen. Another coronavirus could happen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, kind of. But like we could. There's a lot that could happen. So let's not let's not go there just yet. Lastly, uh, it seems like the Brewers are open to the idea of potentially extending either Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Willie Adamas. 
I think those are all great ideas. I, do I think they're going to extend all of them? No. Do I do I think they should extend at least two out of those three? Yeah, probably. Uh, I I think that if they could basically have extensions for two out of their three guys between Peralta and either Woodruff or Burns, I think they are in a really good spot to succeed. I think it's unrealistic to expect all three to stay. I just don't think that's that's on the table. But you don't want to lose all three. Like you don't want to be the Oakland Athletics, right? And the Athletics are so poorly run. I, there was an article on the Ringer uh, the other day about how the Athletics are just a sad fucking franchise, and they're going to be terrible again this year and have, I think, a payroll of like thirty million. Just an absolutely awful owner. I had a buddy tell me a story about like sitting with their owner and just ripping on this shit, and he was not happy about it. Oh, God, I can't remember who that was. They might have been a work friend, but anyways. I look at that and I say, like, don't end up like the Athletics with Zito, Hudson, and Mulder. Like, at the end of it, they ended up with Hudson, you know, sort of being the only guy left. But Zito signed a huge deal with the Giants, never was the same again. Probably a good good move, right? They they projected Zito wasn't going to be that dude. But they then shipped Tim Hudson to the Atlanta Braves. They shipped... The, they shipped Mark Mulder to the St. Louis Cardinals. Like they, they basically have always sort of ridded their guys at some point and be like, all right, time to fly. I don't necessarily think the Brewers are the same way. And I, I personally would say, all right, what, who do we think you know has that potential, has that staying power? Whether it's Burns, whether it's Woodruff, I think that's the decision they have to make. Or who is the guy that's more likely and open to a team-friendly extension? And I, I'll just be curious to know how those conversations go. I, Adamus might be difficult just given how much money you know middle infielders made this offseason. Uh, you know, Trevor Story made what 140. Carlos Correa made like 100, but he can opt out, so he's gonna he could easily go back and make a ton more money next season. Uh, who was the other guy? Bob, Bob, Javi Baez made like 200. Like, I mean, they they're throwing some ridiculous contracts out at shortstops and second basemen. So I do wonder if Willie Adonis looks at that and says, "Yeah, I don't know." Like, I think it would be a coup if you could get him, but I, I do wonder if Adonis looks at that and says, "Nah, we're we're not doing this." So we'll see what happens. I realize also I should have probably added some Masters thoughts. Um, Tiger Woods being back is awesome. I'm excited for it. Um, Tiger, again, as we talked about needle drivers at the start of this podcast, uh, he moves the needle. This is beyond a shot ski. This is like an additional shot to your shot ski. Uh, so we're, I guess we can say we're in overtime. Uh, I, I, I like Cameron Smith. Uh, if I'm looking at like guys, I wish... I'm not really a futures golf better, but I, I wish I would put something on Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith, to me, feels like a guy that's going to really kind of bring the noise. Like I, I think Cameron Smith has been good in the past, and I expect Cameron Smith to sort of do that again. I think he's 15 to 1. So the odds are on Cam Smith are not great. I think you have to look at Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka has been such a good majors golfer, better than really anybody that we've seen in the last few years. So I, I, you have to give some thought to Brooks Kepka. who I'm looking. I'm pulling up odds right now. If Bovada will let me, we'll see. Let's see here. They have a bunch for the Masters, which is not a surprise. Wow, Tiger Woods already at forty to one—that's crazy. Um, yeah, Kepka eighteen to one. Smith's now at fourteen to one, so you might need to go grab that soon. I don't like Victor Hovland. I actually, I kind of like Victor Hovland to miss the cut. Like, I, I don't mind that bet. Like, I think Victor Hovland is kind of a little bit overrated right now. Um, I don't mind if your long shots are not the best in the Masters. Like the Masters, it's really the best of the best time to win it. It's rare that a long shot comes from the fucking clouds to win. 
Uh, but if you look at that sort of that maybe that middle ground guys, like Sam Burns, I think would be a surprise to a lot of people. But Sam Burns has been very successful, uh, 33 to 1. Um, Corey Connors, to me, at 50 to 1 has what it takes to, to be a Masters winner. I, I like that. That idea, I think that would be something that would be interesting. I don't know if Daniel Berger and Joaquin Neiman can kind of handle the pressure of, of a Masters. I feel like they could be guys that maybe a first-round leader bet or something like that or a guy who can kind of get there. But I, I don't I don't really like that at all. Um, I know there's some that like Sunjay M. I I love Sunjay. He's like he's our king. If I did a if we did a golf podcast, Murph and I did a golf podcast every week. We would talk about how much we love Sunjay. But yeah, Sunjay. I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not there yet with that. Um, who would be my longest of long shots? Maybe Gary Woodland at 100 to one, just because he's been playing good golf and he's a guy who's won a major before. Like to me, that's a guy. Justin Rowe is 80 to one too. Like he's not even playing good golf, but he always plays Augusta well. A guy who's consistently good at Augusta. I don't wouldn't put Sergio in there at 80 to one. I I don't think my dad would allow me to hang out with him if I said that I I, I bet on Sergio. I think he would disown me. Uh, but that's here nor there. Uh, but anyways, so yeah, I don't know. Man, another guy who I like, the number looks great is Shoffley at 25 to 1. But to me, Xander Shoffley is another guy who, when the moment gets big, the dude shits his pants. So, should be a fun week. I'm excited for it. Um, playing a few things and looking forward to making a decision on who I decide to ride with for one and done and everything else. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a excellent Wednesday. We are one day closer to opening day, one day closer to the Masters. And we get Bucks Celtics also on Thursday. It's good. Let's have a Thursday. One day away. The thirst is building. All right. Take care, Tappers. Have a good one. Bye.